driving traffic from our websites, from our digital properties to our retailers is something that we absolutely made one of our pillars. When people are on the Purdue Farm sites, on the product detail pages, underneath the Buy Now button, there will be a button saying, do you want to buy it locally? That's David Zucker, CMO of Purdue Farms. Purdue Farms is the premier chicken company of America, with their chicken being found in most grocery stores east of the Mississippi. And you can also buy their product direct to consumer nationally. Purdue's e-commerce strategy is truly impressive. I was blown away to hear that they have a direct-to-consumer chicken business, and I was even more blown away how they pass that D2C consumer from their e-commerce website directly to a grocery store's website for pickup at the curb ordering. Not something I expected to hear from an agribusiness founded in the 1920s. If you're on the Purdue.com website and you're looking at our product detail pages, or if you're looking at recipes, the way the recipe technology works that we have with Whisk is that the recipe will pop up and you can add the entire recipe to one of the retailers. And so the real benefit there is that not only are we sending traffic to our customers, but we're actually sending them customers with full baskets. So wait. Let me get this in plain English for you. Purdue, a chicken manufacturer, is so awesome with their e-commerce engine that they have recipes for their chicken with all of the ingredients you need to make it, and they will send you directly to any major grocery store's website with the full basket for you to buy? That's pretty awesome sauce if you ask me. Purdue is all about using partnerships to push the boundaries of online selling into the future and utilizing technology to create an optimal experience for their consumers, their partners, and of course, Purdue itself. Today, David joins us to share how they're using technology partnerships to push the envelope. Purdue's even ventured into selling chickens via smart refrigerators and is tapping the potential of their D2C business to market new products prior to ever hitting the grocery stores. My name is Dan McGaw, and I'm the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw.io. Each week, I get to speak to executives like David and find out the strategies and tactics they're using to drive revenue. And since I'm a tech stack nerd, I'm obviously going to be digging into the tools that they're using to get it done. Do me a favor, though. Hit that subscribe button. All right, let's jump into the interview with David. My name is David Zucker. I am the Chief Marketing Officer and Head of Digital at Purdue Farms in Salisbury, Maryland. Help us better understand, like, what does Purdue Farms do? Purdue Farms has two major businesses. We sell uh, fresh and frozen chicken, both prepared and raw. And we also have an agribusiness that supplies seeds and oils, both to chicken farms as well as to the snack food makers. Think about like in terms of using crackers. Our chicken business, that is uh, about half our business, sells fresh chicken primarily east of the Mississippi and our frozen prepared chicken is sold nationally. Yeah. And the fresh prepared chicken is sold nationally. And then, uh, you know, the main places that we're going to find your chicken, and I know that we're going to see this in the grocery store, but you also have a direct-to-consumer business as well. Right. Our fresh chicken is just sold east of the Mississippi. Anything frozen we can do nationally on DTC and our prepared chicken is sold nationally retail. When you think about your main goals and what you're delivering for the brand, I mean, what are your main goals? So there's two or three things that we focus on um, in marketing. The first thing is growing market share. So market share is a combination of both distribution, pricing, and and a bunch of other things. But ultimately, marketing has a big influence on communicating and messaging and making sure that our brand is continually growing. 
So market share is the first thing. The second thing is around the brand equity, constantly protecting the brand and making sure that we're differentiated versus our competitors and the consumers understand what's the difference? I mean, why is Purdue a brand that I want to buy? And so communicating that and making sure consumers understand why it's valuable to them, why our product is something that they would want to buy is ultimately the job that a marketing person kind of has to provide to the organization. And so we're very focused on that. And so we have equity metrics that we track that identify how well we're doing there. And then the third area is around digital. While it's something that COVID has definitely amplified that for many companies, you know, I joined Purdue two years before COVID. And so it was something that this company was very much thinking about of it's growing. How do we partake in it? Do we partake in it? How does do we have a direct-to-consumer business? Do we help? How do we support our retailers with this? They really didn't understand that. So those three things are what I focus on and the, and the teams uh, internally that I work with. Now, let's talk about digital, right? I mean, to hear, a, I mean, Purdue Farms, a chicken company, having such a focus on digital when, I mean, retail is your primary market, right? So you sell a lot of product at a grocery store. How is digital a big part of your strategy today? Yeah, so we had to define digital for Purdue and what it means to us, how it helps us, and ultimately how we interact with our retailing partners. And so we did that, and we came up with ultimately three pillars that we think both support the priorities for Purdue as well as our consumers and our customers. And so the first thing is around our digital strategy needs to be able to support and help drive traffic from all the digital properties and all the marketing that Purdue does to our customers. So our customers are, think, Kroger, Walmart, Stop and Shop, those kind of customers. And so how do we act as a demand generator and a partner to get them to purchase and go to our retailers? The second thing is around direct-to-consumer. So we looked at direct-to-consumer as really a way to get closer to the decision-making process that consumers make. So talking directly to a consumer about how they make chicken purchases, why they're making chicken purchases, why they would be buying something online versus going into the store. Having that direct reaction, interaction with a consumer is extremely valuable to us as we think about both the channel as well as where consumers' heads are at. Whether they're interacting with us and buying that chicken or they're going to our customers and digitally buying the chicken. Us having a closer understanding of that is super important. And then the last area around digital for us is around using our direct-to-consumer platform to test new products. So we can develop and launch a product within days and get it on the website as opposed to months in a retailer. And so it allows us to kind of pre-launch a product. So we can launch it on the site. We can get some information about willingness to pay. We can get information about quality and what consumers like and didn't like about it, which can help us you know, kill a product before it goes too far. It can also help us fast track something if we think it's doing well. And it also provides us and our sales teams additional input if the product is something that we think we want at the retailers to be an additional item in the set. I'm curious, so you're selling chicken through the mail to people, which is quite interesting, right? So I guess like what spawned this like D to C thing? Like how did this come about? Because I find it so fascinating. There were two big reasons why we did this. The first thing was, is that we really do want a direct relationship with consumers to better understand how they're using this form of buying. Not only so, so they buy from us 
like I was saying before, in terms of the items that you can't get locally, if you want them, you can come directly to us. And if we sell them frozen, you can get them. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that, look, the internet's been around for a long time now. People are using it to make purchases on a regular basis. And then COVID hit and the world literally changed. And the use of digital as a purchasing channel, especially for food, fundamentally changed. And so we were thinking about this before COVID and just we wanted to get smart on our side of the table in terms of how consumers make purchases online for food because we knew that our customers were developing websites and this experience on their side and the biggest things that they were focused on were was this idea called click and collect which is you go on their website and you buy it and either you pick it up or they ship it to you but we as an organization at Purdue we just weren't intelligent enough around this. It just wasn't muscle memory that we had. It wasn't a discipline that we invested in. And so, again, that's the reason they asked me to kind of join the company to help build that muscle and direct to consumer and digital in general is something that, you know, we've just spent a lot of time on. We're now, we now feel we're one of the leaders in the industry in this space and certainly in terms of intelligence. So it makes us much smarter as we sit down and talk to our customers about, consumers that are buying online, we have some equity because we actually run a direct-to-consumer business. And so we can say, we actually are speaking from a position of equity and, and from experience. Yeah, you actually, you understand the customers, you're working with them a lot more. So as a, like, a, a food and agriculture company, right, you're selling chicken and things like that, and you're now doing this direct-to-consumer model. How are you delivering on this mission with your website? Like, What's kind of the, the tools and systems that are supporting you here? In terms of the specific technology that we use, we were a Salesforce organization. So we we did an RFP and looked at other technologies. It was just a smarter, more efficient thing for us to go with Salesforce. And so our website is built on a Salesforce platform and enables us to do a great deal of customization and extensions and integrates with a bunch of other pieces of technology that the company has and makes that really easy. And so that's what it's built on. We use BlueCore as our email provider. And that's been super successful for us. We've recently switched to them after, and it's just a constant effort just to make sure that we're using the right partner. And and, and BlueCore kind of came with a great offering and uh, great solutions for a small team. And um, they did that. From a metrics perspective, we use Google Analytics to understand and look at uh, kind of how the site's performing. And then there's a bunch of other technology, depending on what the specific use case is that we use kind of throughout the consumer experience or the relationship that we have with our retailers. How are you driving demand now to the retailers? Help me better understand. So you have this direct-to-consumer model, but you also need to drive demand to the retailers. This seems like it has to be a lot of orchestration. Yeah, so need's a strong word. I would tell you that this is not something that both either Purdue or our customers really spend a great deal of time thinking about, like in a sales conversation. And it's just not, this is not something I think that is prevalent yet in the industry in terms of the manufacturer of the product being part of the demand engine for the retailer in the digital space. I mean, from the non-digital space, they have been, you know, coupons, things like that, specific promotions that an organization would do with a retailer. But driving traffic from our websites, from our digital properties to our retailers is something that we absolutely made one of our pillars. I mean, it was important enough to make one of our pillars. And so what we do is when people are on the Purdue Farm site, so our direct-to-consumer site, on the product detail pages where the product is available at a retailer, underneath the Buy Now button, 
there will be a button saying, do you want to buy it locally or is there a, a local place to buy it? And so you can click that button. That button will take you to an experience that is either through Price Spider or Pair, depending on, we're in the process of looking at both of them. And it will take you through that process and take you to the customer ultimately to be able to buy the product. So that's one way to do it. If you're on the Purdue.com website and you're looking at our product detail pages, or if you're looking at recipes, what will happen is, is on the product detail pages, very similar, you'll be able to identify a local retailer that's got it through a price spider or a pair experience. Or if you're looking at our recipe, the way the recipe technology works that we have with Whisk is that the recipe will pop up and you can add the entire recipe to one of the retailers that has partnered with Whisk, which are all the major ones um, and everybody that we deal with. And so the real benefit there is, is that not only are we sending traffic to our customer sites, but we're actually sending them customers with full baskets. So it's not just the chicken that we're sending off. And we're actually sending, especially if it's a recipe, it's the milk, it's the breading, it's the spices, everything that's needed to make that recipe is in the recipe list plus the chicken. And so all of that gets put into the retailer's basket at one time. And then we can see on our side, some of the metrics that we're starting to share with our customers is we can tell them how many individual people have clicked from the Purdue.com website to the retailer's website. So we can give them traffic numbers. We also can give them conversion numbers. We can say we've had 500 people go there and 50 have converted. Those 50 have spent in total $1,000. We can't tell specifically what they've purchased, but we can give those high-level metrics, which is really valuable. And that's a discussion that I think is relatively new, and there's not a lot of organizations that are doing that. I think that's super epic. I'm not sure about you, but this kind of blew my mind. I never thought a chicken company would be doing things like this. My dumb self only thought about the chicken at the store. What David is doing here is revolutionary. You might ask yourself, who is going to produce website to find recipes? Well, that's not exactly how this works. While they are spending ad dollars and driving traffic through packaging, branding, and so on to the website, most typically people find recipes online organically as they're looking for something to eat and looking for a recipe. Most times, you know, you land on that recipe site that has a ton of ads and 40 pages of story about their grandma and the recipes like hidden at the bottom. Not Purdue though. They have an amazingly concise recipe that you can actually read and actually make a dish out of. Sorry to those like generic recipe sites, but between your ads and your Aunt Betty story, I can't even get to the recipe. Purdue has optimized this user experience so much so that you can literally buy the chicken direct, which I did myself, and I have to say, it's way better than that Kirkland's chicken brand I bought a while back. Not only can you buy the chicken direct, but you can also order the entire recipe ingredient list from a local store. Just a couple of clicks and the recipe is from the Purdue site over to my local public site, and I already have the order ready for pickup at the curb. Talk about an optimized user experience. And I thought what we were doing in SaaS was cool. This chicken stuff just totally blew my mind. And to be serious, I did order a crap ton of chicken and test the product for myself. Well, my wife ordered the chicken and we did a small unboxing with the kids. Not gonna lie, I've never seen my eight-year-old happier to get frozen chicken nuggets in the mail. No, this is not a plug, it is just my honest opinion. We all know I have no problem digging in on things I don't like. Wink, wink, go check out some of my previous episodes as I talk about the tools I'm not a big fan of. All right, I'll shut up now, let's get back to David. So Price Spider is part of the digital connection between 
Purdue's websites and the retailer's physical locations and inventory. So Price Spider has that relationship with the retailers. It's another company called Pair does something similar. And I think there's a couple other ones. Those are the ones that, that we've tended to look at. And what they do is they provide that user experience for a company like us to buy and put that technology and that capability on our website as opposed to having to develop it ourselves. So they've made all those relationships with the retailers and their inventory systems and can say, okay, we're going to take this and then they'll map all of that information to the Purdue products. And so when a consumer is on a product detail page, they'll see, okay, you know, frozen chicken breasts, I want to buy those, but I don't want them shipped to me. I want to buy them locally. When you click the button, depending on where you're located, you might have to change your zip code, but you put your zip code in there and the retailers that are right around you that have the product in stock will show up. And so the consumer then can, can then decide, do I want to, okay, I can just go to the store or I can click through the experience. And now I'm on Walmart's site, for example. I'm on Walmart's site. I've got the chicken breast and it's in my cart. So now I'm in the Walmart experience. I'm literally at Walmart's site. I've got nothing to do with Purdue now. I'm on Walmart's site in their cart with the chicken in the basket. And now I can just convert there. And so we have sent a buying consumer from Purdue to Walmart in that example. I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's, I mean, in my opinion, pretty badass. What else are you doing that's on the bleeding edge of direct-to-consumer? Because I've never heard of that before, and I think that's amazing. So that's one thing. I think the other thing that we're doing that we think is, um, I wouldn't say it's on the bleeding edge. I would say it's definitely on the leading edge, is we have a relationship with Samsung, and we have a an app on their technology. So on all their smart devices, so think like the refrigerators, that sit in the, in the kitchens that have those video screens. So there's a Purdue app that we've developed with Samsung that sits in that experience. And so you can actually buy chicken directly off your refrigerator at Purdue and go through all those other experiences I mentioned as well. So if you don't want to buy it at purduefarms.com, if you want to go to one of our retailers, we can do that. It all happens kind of within that experience there. Wow, that's pretty cool. Like, how did that come about? Honestly, a relationship that I've had historically. So just kind of started the conversation and uh, hooked up with the business development team in Korea with Samsung. And that's the great thing around Purdue is that it's very entrepreneurial. And it was something that uh, the organization, the family was like, look, if you know you think this is the right thing for us to be doing, then pursue it. And ultimately it puts, you know, it does some great things for the consumer. So look, these are high-end consumers that have these products, um, the Samsung products. That's the kind of consumer that understands a lot of the messaging that our brand has. We have a higher quality. We do things that are right, not necessarily cheap. And that supports our brand. It supports the messaging. And it seems like a very logical thing to try and do from a brand perspective and from a consumer perspective. We're not selling a whole lot of chicken through it, I'll be honest with you. Partly because there's only so many people that have those refrigerators, but they interact with it a lot. And so it's a great experience. And it's the kind of thing that we're learning from. You know, again, it's on the leading edge. And uh, it's something that we think is educating ourselves internally. It also enables us, again, kind of back to the retailer support. We can sit down and have conversations with retailers. Like, we're doing something that no one else is doing around a consumer that's in the kitchen having an experience with our product, the chicken, and a physical product, so the refrigerator, 
how does this benefit the retailer? How can we make sure that they're part of the benefit conversation? And it's a really good thing. And I think that all of these companies that, that we partner with, all these retailers are interested in growth. And so we're constantly looking for things that are like that, that put us out there, that, that help us kind of be a contributor to that conversation. I think that's so radical. I think it's really cool that you're able to make that happen. When you think about trying to measure, you know, you have this direct-to-consumer where people are coming to your website. You have people that are doing the Samsung experience for direct-to-consumer. How is your organization and how are you measuring all the effectiveness of this? Ultimately, all of this has to ladder up into a high equity for our brand and brand share growth. Ultimately, that's what's important. So those are the things we talk about as a leadership team. Those are the things we talk about with our board. That's what's critical. Specifically with direct-to-consumer, the kind of things that are really foc- that we tend to focus on, which are very traditional, are the two most important ones are customer acquisition costs. So you've got to get a customer to come in and buy. And then how valuable is that customer over the long term, so the lifetime value? So those two things are the key performance indicators that we think about that all the other metrics kind of have to ladder up to in one way or another. They're the ones that we have kind of the most conversations around internally. Right now, it's much more around customer acquisition costs. Lifetime value has got to come over time. We're still a pretty new business. We've been in business about three years in the direct-to-consumer space. And with COVID, it added a whole bunch of complexity in terms of evaluating the value of a consumer over the long term. So that's something that we're developing a little bit more muscle memory around. But those two metrics are are the primary ones. And then the third one that kind of bridges both direct-to-consumer as well as retail is household penetration. So the retail business has always thought about how many consumers am I getting into my enterprise, household penetration, and a direct-to-consumer business is thinking, how big is my file? How big is my email file? How many people are buying? And so right now, we look at those separately because they're in two different systems. They're obtained from different sources. Over time, we've got to get those together and figure out where's the overlap and where's the opportunity for us to be able to better message and better grow that metric specifically. How do you cross-pollinate between these two kind of distinct things, right? You have household penetration, which is more of a retail metric. And then, of course, you have customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, which don't get me wrong, like is lifetime value still on both sides of the table there. But how do you cross-pollinate these businesses? So on both the Purdue Farms website and then the Purdue.com website, it's around messaging the consumer that ultimately we want you to understand the value and the quality that the Purdue brand products have. That's it. And you can either buy it on our website, the Purdue Farms website, or you can go to the retailer. And so we're not trying to make it hard or force you into one of those purchase paths in the digital experience. We want you to decide because here's the thing. Today, you might decide, look, I'm running out. I've got the ability to go pick something up. I need to pick it up for dinner. And I just happen to feel like, hey, I heard about you know the, the Purdue Fresh Cuts product. Where is it? I want to go get that. But I want to send a gift to you know, a business partner of mine. How do I do that? Well, I can do that. I can send a gift through PurduFarms.com. I'm not going to pick up a bunch of chicken and put it in the mail myself. And so depending on what the use cases is for the person, we want to give them the tools for which to be able to make it easy as possible to buy whatever product they want at whatever time they want. And so we have to get better at it. I mean, by any means, by no means, sorry, do I think that... You know, we're excellent at this. I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'd give us kind of a four, to be honest with you. There's a lot of improvement we have to make, both in 
kind of supporting our brand message as well as making the user experience with less friction between these two businesses. But it's clearly a priority for us. How do you measure your user experience now? When you think about the direct-to-consumer business, you've got to be always optimizing that experience. How do you measure that and make sure you're pushing that needle? You know, the tip, if anybody's kind of, uh, anybody that's listening to this, if you've got a digital or direct-to-consumer background, you know, this isn't going to be new. You know, we tend to focus on kind of the big metrics. So, you know, we want people off our homepage as quick as possible. We want them on a product detail page as kind of least amount as possible. We want them in the cart as quick as possible. We want them off the site with product as fast as possible. And so, ultimately, we're looking at, when we're looking at the funnel that a consumer goes through, within our direct-to-consumer experience. We're looking for choke points of where are people getting stuck and why. So for example, you know, as we were building the site, one of the things that we noticed is that the way we were describing our products was not sufficient enough to a consumer buying on the web. And the reason was is because we're a retail company and we've never had to do that before. So our copywriter that we hired has that kind of experience. And so you know, we made it very clear that you need to be able to describe this product to someone that can't pick it up, can't see it, can't turn it over. They want to understand things. How big is the package? How much does it weigh? How many pieces are in it? Make sure everything is clearly described. And it's something actually that in the United States, we actually don't do this as well as they do in some of the Asian countries, for example. They're way more focused on information around a product. And so kind of back to your question about what we're doing, we kind of look at the funnel, we look at the conversion process and understand where these choke points are. And, you know, the product detail page is a big place that we spend time on. The other thing that we saw is um, reviews. So we didn't have reviews anywhere in our system. We put reviews on our direct-to-consumer site and we don't really, if people don't like our product and they're going to call us, which we have a call center and that's a way we get feedback. But if people don't like our products and put a review in, Anything that gets a three or below immediately goes through a customer review process internally. And we call the customer, we contact the customer, want to understand what the issue is. And then it goes on the website. So we will put a low star rating on our website. And that's helped in the conversion process because ultimately if we're getting feedback that our product isn't good for some reason, that's information we can hand off to our operations partners and and they can use to improve or identify something that might be an area of opportunity to, to improve. What's the stack you're using to kind of measure all that customer experience and user experience? So there's some tools within the Salesforce platform that are more technical in terms of time and issues that happen with, within the technical experience. But Google Analytics is the primary, I would say, business person facing analytic tool that we use to be able to understand how consumers are going through the entire experience, both Purdue and Purdue Farms. And then, you know, you did this partnership with Samsung. I'm going to assume, is that being measured with Google Analytics as well? Or how, how do you think that's being maybe measured differently? Yeah, so that's actually an interesting example of, of a place that we used to improve. So one of the things we saw when we, were, when we launched the Samsung experience is the amount of traffic that we were getting through the Samsung kind of channel was one of our highest. But there was no conversion. And so we're like, is something wrong with the analytics? Is something wrong with the metrics? Is the data that we're getting from Samsung not really user experience? Is it just the fact that you know their screen came on, so it's just firing a pixel that we're picking up? 
we weren't sure. So it took about a year to kind of unpack exactly what was happening. And ultimately, we found out is that we were getting a great deal of traffic, but the experience that you have as a consumer in the Samsung platform is not great for actually purchasing a product. And so what we had to do was is modify the consumer experience on the Samsung platform and get them to a site in a different way. So one of the things we found out that was really successful is when you get to the site, a QR code will pop up. And the QR code you can shoot with your phone and then that experience will take you directly to the Purdue Farms mobile experience where it's optimized for purchasing in mobile. And so that's really clunky. I mean, we get we do get orders, but look, it's not a really easy way to purchase by any means. A lot of friction. You know, how many people, you got to have your phone. There's just a lot going on there. But there are people that do it. There are people that do it, not nearly enough to justify doing another one of these relationships right now, but we're getting a great deal of learning from it. And it's a great tool to support the brand. I think over the long term, it's something that we're going to, we're definitely going to figure out because it's a, it really is a big demand drive. It's a big traffic driver to the organization. I can only imagine. And I'm curious, like with the Samsung fridge, are you able to get the recipes like, and do the same process you were talking about before? Yeah, so Samsung has downloaded all the recipes from all the Purdue Enterprise websites, and they're available branded on the Samsung experience. So you can go and look up, you know, chicken piccata, and it'll say Purdue chicken, and you can buy it right off the recipe. That's kind of part of the relationship. You know, Samsung was is was looking for a way to engage consumers. I'm speaking for them like I know everything. I have no idea. They're full like their full purpose, obviously. <laughs> but you know, they they want to interact with consumers. You're in you, know, you open your refrigerator 20 or 30 times a day, how can they be more of a solution? And so, you know, if you're looking for recipes, obviously in the kitchen would be a place to look for recipes. Hey, you're looking at your refrigerator and I know I've got these five items. I can look for chicken piccata if I want to make chicken piccata and the recipe pops up. All the directions are there to be able to do it. The images are there. And then if you want to buy it, their technology works just like all the technology we've been talking about. You can, again, make the purchase at purdufarms.com or go to a retailer. So I'm interested, you know, you talked a little bit about testing, right? So you're having new products come out and you're using direct-to-consumer to test these projects and new differentiators. I mean, what are some of these new products and then how are you using the direct-to-consumer model to test them? So one of the ones we're most kind of excited about that we did was a product called Thanks Nuggets which was a chicken nugget idea that was actually based on turkey. So we took turkey and combined it with, in one example, it was kind of a cranberry type of item. And another example, it was a sweet potato item. And we made them in shapes of either a turkey or a turkey leg. And that's something that we tested and tried on direct-to-consumer first. And so we made them here at our one of our smaller plants, put it on the website, had a big PR uh, announcement about it and sold out of the item in three minutes. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. We were completely astonished. So we took that information, again, small, focused. You know, we didn't blow up a, a production center and producing hundreds of thousands of pounds or millions of pounds of product and try and kind of sell it in. So the first year we tested it on the site, got consumer feedback. They absolutely loved it. The press liked it. It was new, it was different, it was something that was valuable as a limited time offer. And the sales team took that information and it helped them sell the product in as a limited time offer to a retailer for Thanksgiving. And so the second year we did that, we sold it in at several retailers. It was one of the highest 
volume products that we've had on an annual basis, it was a huge success. So that's an example of, of one that's really worked. Uh, one that hasn't worked was you know, products that take a lot of time to prepare and make for us that might be valuable to consumers. So for example, bacon-wrapped chicken breasts. Consumers loved it. Very expensive for us to make that. There's a lot of labor involved with that. So you think about COVID, while consumers might love that, and we've got all this great information that they would want it, in an organization that has you know 20,000 associates that work in our plants managing the entire chicken operation, adding complexity like this when you, it's hard to get people, given COVID and everything, to come to work or given all those other challenges, we, we, didn't, roll, we didn't roll that out. And so and there's several examples kind of in between that that we've gotten some really good learnings from, some that we kind of probably could have learned more from. But the process is something that the companies embraced. It's a cross-organization group that comes up with these ideas. They're very fast. So we literally, we don't spend a whole lot of time kind of in research. The idea is to come up with a bunch of ideas, get them in front of consumers quickly, because we're all consumers. And so getting some of that out there, it's also a great morale builder for the organization. You know, the feel that any idea can literally get into this pipeline. It goes through kind of a vetting process. If it comes out of the vetting process, we're going to make it. We literally make it. We try it. There's a small group of people that kind of vet the taste, make sure it's, you know, something we're proud of. And if it is, we literally put it on the direct-to-consumer site and we start to sell it. And if it's successful, then it goes through a very formal stage gate process. So it doesn't go straight to production. It goes through a very formal stage gate process where we'll do a lot of the, you know, sizing and value creation and who would potentially, who's the consumer target, that kind of stuff. Testing is such an important part at any business. I was really intrigued about the unique product testing David is doing. As a B2B company and a D2C business, Purdue has the opportunity to perform product testing on its smaller D2C market before committing it all the way to their B2B wholesale business. Purdue is testing the viability of new products with a low-risk model, and they get more direct access to feedback and customer reviews. On top of that, selling directly to the consumer from their own website means they get to collect all their customer data internally through their own stack. They build insights on who their customers are, and they truly partner with their B2B grocery partners whenever they're delivering them new products. Whether it be making sure the new cool products will fly off the shelves in stores or just sending them e-commerce baskets ready for purchase, this technology enablement and testing David is doing is pretty amazing for a chicken company. But while there are a lot of benefits that come from having a D2C channel, you have to be careful not to cannibalize your wholesale business. We've worked with companies like Bauer Hockey and Kings Hawaiian who are rolling out the same D2C strategies like Purdue. And their first concern is always making sure to keep their wholesale partners happy. There's a great video by Spryker that talks all about this. In it, they mentioned a pretty relevant challenge. You have to get all your key stakeholders involved early on in the process and make sure that everyone is on the same page. Talk to your partners and explain that while you will be implementing a new sales channel in D2C, they are still very important part of your business. You can watch that whole video by following the link in the show notes. But before you go to that, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and let's get back to David and learn more about the testing he's doing. So we're doing a lot of, I mean, we do a lot of the normal testing that you would do within a digital experience. So creative testing, so visual testing, copy testing, uh, UX testing, things like that. The biggest thing I would say that's on our roadmap in terms of testing is creating a better omni-channel experience. 
And I think this is something that's really, it's something that we as manufacturers and retailers are ultimately going to have to partner and, and figure out is that you've got consumers that want to know about a branded product. And if they go to the brand's product page versus the retailer's product page, they want the same information. They want it to be consistent. And they want to be able to answer a question and interact the way they want to interact. If they want to go from the Walmart site to the Purdue site to get information and then go back to Walmart and buy it, we've got to figure out how to make those connections and make that work for the consumer. And that's something that Walmart and Sam's Club, for example, big partners of ours, and we're having those conversations. And it's the kind of thing that I think from a testing, it's a great environment to be able to test in because you can test small, try it out, doesn't work, shut it off, find out the things that do work and keep doing those. What technology do you see that's going to be added to your stack in the future? Kind of like, what are you thinking is next? You talk about omni-channel, but are there certain technologies that you're considering looking at? I think the area that we've got to do better on is mobile. So we are not only is kind of grocery and food in general late to the digital game. I mean, COVID's ramped that up. But I would say that we specifically at Purdue have a lot to do in the mobile space. So while we want to think mobile first, we we kind of have to kick ourselves in the butt every once in a while and be like, you really need to think mobile first. So we need to do that better. I also think that there's probably, you know, you mentioned QR codes, I think SMS, you know, general communication with consumers and how they're using those different communication features they're just going to be changing quickly and we have to figure out in terms of where and how are they going to be using those features in the process of not only buying the product, but learning about it. So before they buy it, buying it, using the product, and then if they have any issues, how does customer service deal with it? So that the voice of the customer experience through the entire organization and how different digital pieces of technology interact differently with a consumer it's something that we've got to spend more time on. And we and we have started those conversations, but we've got a lot of work to do there. This was a great interview and I really appreciate you taking the time. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us today. Dan, thank you. I appreciate it. It's really awesome to see a century-old business being a beacon of the future in the e-commerce world. Let's review some of the top things we learned today. First, Purdue has a big focus on driving traffic to their partners' retail sites. They've come up with a super cool feature that allows their customers to find recipes on their website and then use that recipe to fill a cart at a local retailer via their partner site. It's an impressive tech feat that is all made seamless by using a cool tool called PriceFighter. They're also testing another couple technologies that help them tie this all together, but I thought this was pretty awesome. Second, they're not afraid to try new and innovative things. Their partnership with Samsung is pretty unique. You can buy Purdue products directly from the screen on your smart fridge. While the program was not a knockoff success, and they spent a year testing to roll out QR codes to make the purchasing experience easier, this fridge partnership added a lot of learnings under their belt. And third, as a wholesale B2B and D2C business, Purdue is taking advantage of their D2C market to test new products before ever sending them to retailers. By doing this, they're able to create a low-risk test, collect the data and feedback internally, and fast-track learnings. Once they have a winner with their consumers and a profitable product, they can roll it out to retailers with a much higher success rate. 
This reminds me a lot of how Munbeer from Aura Ring talked about a canary test in a recent episode. Don't know what a canary test is? Well, it sounds like you should go listen to that episode a few weeks back and get yourself skilled up. Thanks so much for sticking around and learning all of this awesome stuff with me. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever app you're using. And I'd really appreciate it if you left us a review wherever you're at. Thanks again. This is Dan McGaw. This is The Stack. And I'll catch you next week. 